just talk your thing and then the flappers yeah right Welcome. <laughs> I was waiting to see where you were going to go with that. Because I was about ready to jump in and you gave me the hold sign. Welcome. Yeah, the, the music <laughs> building to this amazing crescendo. I wanted to jump in. Somewhat disappointing. But yeah. hey, we're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back. All things comedy. We are here. The ATC. I'm oh, sorry? That's the ATC, all things comedy. New oh, producer Jesus. in the room today. Jimmy, welcome. Pleasure. Yep. Uh... Yeah, we're back. The gentleman Dojo to my left, hailing from the wonderful city of Detroit, Michigan. Motown, baby. Yeah, don't say it like that. Gary Cannon. And to my right, from Pittsburgh, PA, home of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Steve Byrne, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. By the way, I gotta tell you, we have uh, in the last like two weeks, yep. jumped up quite a few subscribers we on have. SoundCloud. We have, and we got a handful of a uh, few more review- reviews on iTunes. Okay, which I really appreciate. I know we both appreciate that. I it went depends. on to iTunes and just went on, <laughs> and I saw that. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the reviews. Keep writing. Let us know what you like, what you don't like on the on the. Uh, on the boards there at and iTunes. very, very soon, I know that this is our plan. Yeah. We're going to announce to everybody when we're doing the show, and we're going to take some live callers during the show. Yeah, I think in, uh, what do you think, next week maybe? Yeah. We've been talking about doing this for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll plan on that. No, in two weeks. A couple weeks. Next week stack, yeah. So in two weeks, we're going to do a live call in. We'll post it on we'll the We'll post uh, it. We'll Facebook post the pages. time. We'll post the call. You guys can call in. You guys can enter the dojo with us. And it should be a lot of fun. Um, I just wanted to tell you really, really quickly, this is a uh, complete non sequitur, but you were telling the audience that I'm from Detroit, and I saw that last time we were there, you went to visit Motown. Mm-hmm. You saw the, the the Motown building. Yes. And I just heard, like, the best interview ever with Smokey Robinson, and you just don't – again, there's a guy who you know is so successful and just this this amazing genius artist, but – Beautiful you, eyes. You, you don't know – like, you don't realize, like, how many great songs that that guy – had or or wrote for somebody else. I mean, just absolutely amazing. And I just I, I say that because you went to Motown having just visited Detroit, and I lived there all my life, and I'd never been down there to visit the Motown Museum. I'm sorry, were you talking about Smokey Robinson? Will you make love to me, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> you never. Stephen and I just took off our pants. <laughs> you never went to the Motown Museum. No. No. That is a goddamn shame. I know. Trust me. The home of Motown, all those incredible hits. Yeah. Damn Come it. on. Let's end the show right now and go grab a hotel room. Please. <laughs> <laughs> There's a La Quinta right around the corner from that the studio. That is such a shame. By the way, let me just say this, and I know that <laughs> you were giving me grief about this all weekend, but I headlined some shows. This is crazy. I headlined some shows at a club in Claremont, which is about 50 miles east of L.A., Right, so that's about a two-hour drive. So and you can't work within the epicenter. <laughs> you, you just I can't like, work within the three one zero or the eight one eight area code. Yeah, okay. I have to drive east <laughs> to the five six two, 
right? Oof. So I will tell you this. I, I'm always, always, and not that this is ever going to change, but I'm always busting your balls when we walk into any type of venue yeah. and it's not busy. <laughs> And I'm always talking about canceling shows, and yeah. there's not enough audience members to. Yeah, we know. A show. Everybody We're feeling knows. the empty seats. You and shit I, on me I, constantly. I, I, will, <laughs> yes. I will tell you. I texted you Saturday after these shows, and I said, maybe I do owe you an apology for being as hard <laughs> on you as I am, because it's very difficult filling these rooms. It's really, you know. It, 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 okay, so this is your this is your first time headlining in, in how long? Uh, a long time. Yeah, yeah. Because how long? Uh, three, four years, maybe. Wow, yeah, what? Yeah. The last time I headlined was at that Mark Ridley's Comedy Club in Detroit years ago over Christmas. The castle. The comedy castle. And that's when I said, because I knew I had to do 45 minutes, that's when I said to the manager, I said, I'm all about doing guest sets. I'm all about cultivating How many the people were at your show? How many people were at your show? <laughs> How many people why, why does a number This was matter? a Saturday? How many people uh, we were there? Two Friday, two Saturday. How many people why does were there? How many matter? people were there Saturday for the 8 o'clock? That's the most Saturday, part. 8 o'clock. I Oh, the venue's small, though, I will tell you this. Just say 30. it. <laughs> oh, Gary. Fuck off. We have a very... But the club only holds 25, so we were five Shut over capacity. So we brought in five folding chairs. Okay, okay. Yeah. We have a very special guest today joining us. Uh, after you know being on the road for so yeah. many years, this young lady is one of the few managers you come across in the business yeah. of stand-up and hitting up all these clubs where the minute you get there, you know, she's not passing you off to some peon to take you to press. She's there to pick you up. She's there to hang. She's hands-on. And she's just, uh, just truly like a genuinely sweet person. But on top of that, she happens to run one of my favorite clubs yeah. in the country and I think one of the best clubs in the country. You're not alone in saying that, by the way. Ask any comic. They would yep. say DC Improv, DC Improv. And Dayton Funnybone. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Allison Jaffe, everybody. How yeah. about it? Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. From DC. Yeah, hey, guys, no problem. Thanks for uh, wanting to talk to me. Are it's you kidding? a nice intro, Steve. Well, I, I sincerely mean it, too. And Gary yes. Gary's the first to take a big old steamy dump on anybody's intro or yeah. career or resume. Oh, yeah. But we really mean that. I mean, you talk to... So many comedians, and they constantly always say, I would say top three, yours is definitely right there. And everybody always says DC Improv. It, I mean, do you do you hear that quite often from, from other comics? You know, uh, well, thanks so much. It's it's really like, it's. I still get emotional when I hear that because I really do believe that just being involved in it and hearing that, and I, I don't know, I'm kind of a comedy nerd in that sense. It's It's so important to have that reputation. So... You know, I'm I'm lucky that I do hear that, uh, not regularly, but I hear it enough to kind of still take that pride and, and be really excited right. about it. So, well, I gotta I'm ask. Great interview, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. No, I, I I mean the fact that you said I still get emotional when you hear that. I think that's exactly why the club is as successful as it is because it's obviously you're running the club, you're spearheading it, but you care. And even to this day, you still care. And I think that there's so many, not only clubs, but club management that you step into these clubs and they just get complacent and they, yeah. they don't care. And to know that yeah. you still take that pride, I, I do appreciate it. I got to ask you this, though. What is it that you think 
you're doing correct at the club that would attribute to that compliment from so many comedians. And this isn't, I'm not trying to, you know, give you the platform to beat your chest, but literally this should be a platform for you to beat your chest a little bit. What is it you're doing right? And and I will say this really quickly, Allison, before I jump in. I, I love what Todd Glass says. Todd Glass says when he goes to clubs and sees them doing it right, he knows that other clubs can do it right, mm-hmm. but just yeah. choose not to do it. Yeah. And so Todd's theory is always the minute you see a vacuum in the green room, it's over. Like the minute they're using the green room as a storage closet, right? Yeah, which right, we saw right, at right. some clubs, right? <laughs> yeah. So, right, what are you doing differently, Allison? That makes this club because you, you and I know this, Steve. You look at your calendar, you know, over the next six months, most of yours is blank. But you look at it <laughs> and, and you see certain clubs, right, that you want to yeah. go to, and you're like, well, I'm very excited. You're excited you, too, yeah. You wish the week were longer, you know, certain weeks. Right. You know, you're there for four days. You're like, wow, I wish it was two. Day run, mm-hmm. but but with DC, you're like you wish it were a lot longer. Completely, yeah, yeah. So, what makes you guys and you specifically so much different? Like, why the passion? I mean, obviously, you started not as as a manager and part owner, but like you started off at, at the very entry level position, didn't you? Yeah. So you know, it'll be 18 years for me at this club in uh, May, and so wow. I started when I was 19 as a waitress there. And, you know, I started basically, I loved comedy, I wanted to be around it, and why not wait tables in a comedy club? It's kind of basically the <laughs> closest you, you can get, and I, I literally never left. So, you know, I attribute a lot of kind of the club's reputation and sort of how we run it is, if you guys were familiar with Mark Anderson, who was the first person to franchise the improvs from Bud Friedman, mm-hmm. you know, the way he ran his clubs were you treat the comics, a certain way, you know, you treat the customers coming in a certain way, and I think that does make all the difference. You know, we're all in it together, and so we all should be kind of working together, and everyone should be treated fairly and treated well. Um, So I do think a lot of the comics like coming to us because we treat them, you know, like people. (laughs) And, like, the only – I tell staff, you know, the only reason – we are all here and people are coming is because the comics who are here to entertain. None of us would have jobs, right? right? So why are why are they being treated poorly? Um, you know, I can only speak from one club's perspective because I'm only in this one, and I don't really know how other places run. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, we take a lot of pride in that, and we make sure our night team takes that, you know, very seriously. You know, right. treat the comics with the respect that they deserve. It, it is crazy so I'm, because I'm always like shocked when I hear of horror stories from other places where it's like, oh, wh- you're here. Oh, yeah, thanks. You know that kind of attitude. Where <laughs> right. Like, Wait, none of us would be here if this particular comic wasn't here. So I don't I, get it. I, I got to ask you this, Allison, and please, yeah. please name names. When you <laughs> don't were, do that. When to you her. were when you were a waitress, what comics tried to bang you? I mean, honestly, <laughs> Gary, oh, you know hilarious. that this is. And I You've mean, listen, me, Gary, come on, nobody listen, was interested. In listen, that. like nerdy librarian look. Oh, oh, comics, they they will go, <laughs> they will go. Yes, yes. If I had been on the scene years ago. <laughs> so funny. Okay, no, well, you don't have to I, name names, but <laughs> oh, no, you want to know? No, no, you don't have to name names, <laughs> but I mean initials. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, SB. Who? Steve Burnett. Oh, like, oh. Yeah, didn't go very well. Yeah, behind the scenes. <laughs> can't keep me on a leash. I'm sorry. You cannot keep me on the leash. So uh, you literally have been, you went from waitress to literally, did you ever think that when you were first taking drink orders 18 years ago that you would literally be not only running the club but part owner of of the same establishment did you ever in your wildest Never. dreams think that would happen 
Never, ever, ever. I mean, I'm still, I'm still floored at where I am and that I've been doing it as long as I have and that I've only had one job and I've never written a resume in my life. Like, I'm still in wow. shock that I've made a career out of something that I love. And I, I feel very lucky and very blessed to have that chance to sort of... But, you know, it's hard work. It's not... It's not glamorous all the time, and it's a lot of years in a basement, and it's, you know, not a lot of sunlight sometimes, but it's, uh, I really love what the product is for comedy clubs, you know, and I love bringing people the chance to let go and be entertained. It's just, it's always kind of motivated me all these years. Now, I got to ask you this, when... When you're, you know, throughout the 18 years that you've, and the different, you know, positions you've held, who is the first person that came into that club, no matter what level you were at, that just absolutely blew you away and you thought that person is destined for for incredible things, and, and it did come to fruition for that person? Who was that first individual that you saw? So that's interesting, because um, it's a hard question to answer because I have different ways of, of looking at sort of the comics that come through and you know I started there in 98 right and so I started at waiting tables and Mike Birbiglia was a door host mm -hmm. of the improv and we were the same you know we're the same age and we were kind of just both working there right. so for me to see someone like him now who has just blown up it's really neat to see that you know but at the time it wasn't like I was watching him being like he's going to be the next huge star you know right. you sort of don't really know but you can look back on that and say like how cool that you know he's he did start from the ground mm -hmm. you know level and and really put in the years and 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 got got kind of you know where he is today so but like i you know i'm not a manager or talent manager, so like i don't i never know you know i could see somebody and say like i would think that they would get the the you know the kind of response and sort of the growth in the comedy business that they should, but maybe they don't, you know, it's like a weird right, sort right. of thing. I mean, I could tell you like who treated me with amazing respect when I was nobody and just a waitress and yeah, how about to that? watch them now be as successful as they are. That's really thrilling for me. You know, like Jim Gaffigan and Louis Black and John Panette, Robert Schimmel. You know, all these people, they, they just treated me like a person and right. a respect for me, what, no matter that I was just a waitress, you know, it wasn't anybody doing anything. I was interning at the improv and waiting tables, and they treated me like I was an equal. And right. so to see them be as successful as they are, you know, you're like minus, you know, the, the you know, unfortunately, what happened with John Panette. But like, you know, it's, uh, that to me is really exciting to see. And, and Berbiglia started off as a door guy when you were... Yeah. Wow. And how yeah, long we was Yeah, we used to bowl together. We were on like a bowling league, <laughs> like an improv <laughs> bowling league for a little while. And it's crazy because you look at Berbiglia, right? Like a lot of guys that start off as just a staff member. And you look at a door guy. And he does have the body of, of someone who would bowl. And <laughs> he does. He, he had his own shoes and I had my own ball. That's how cool we were. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just wondering, you, you look at Mike and, you know, obviously he was a door guy and has a ton of success now. Is it too late for Steve to apply for a door guy position? Oh, Gary, would club? you? So we're actually looking for some help in the kitchen. Steve. So maybe that might Steve. work. <laughs> yeah. How great would it be to end okay, up being Okay, Gary. Yeah, okay. let me just say, is Steve the only guy on your calendar that's a non-special event? Be honest, Allison. Okay, this Gary. Is a true story. Okay, <laughs> a true story. <laughs> Allison, you've been there for 18 years. You've, I, I think that, because I, I basically have been in it for 18 years as well. I started off. Yeah. In what? Well, 
What Gary, do do? shut the fuck I was up. Would you, you please? Do. What oh. I do? You open. For, you know what I do. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So I I started as a as the like receptionist at Caroline's. I was answering phones, taking reservations, sweeping the floors, and I think that we we kind of got it started at the same time where. You know, stand-up was big, and then there was a lull there for a little bit, and then it, it, now it's bigger than ever. How would you describe the ups, the ebbs and flows of stand-up comedy since you got into this business in terms of when you got in and what it is now? Because I've never seen it bigger than it is right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of crazy to sort of see, like, where, it, where it's gone. Um, I think, honestly... You know, it, it, the internet changed everything because mm-hmm. it's so accessible now. It used to be, you know, a select few people that would want to pursue it and, and really like work at the craft. But now with the internet, it's sort of like anybody can make a website or like a Facebook or Twitter and just do like, you know, uh, roll in the comedian and it's like automatically they're a comedian. You know, it's sort of like. I think that's really been the biggest change is how accessible it is and how people can now see it and create sort of what they see on, you know, Comedy Central and, you know, Funny or Die or any of that stuff. So it's, uh, you know, before, like when we first started, and for me at the Improv, you know, we used to be a Tuesday through Sunday club. Mm -hmm. We were open consistently and like Jim Gaffigan was doing eight shows a week. Jake Johansson was doing eight shows a week that doesn't exist anymore. You know, now it's more Thursday through Sunday or Friday to Sunday or, you know, um, it just, it's not, people aren't coming out for that live experience to see a comic. They're seeing it on TV. They're seeing it on Netflix. They're seeing it on, you know, on uh, Comedy Central or whatever. So it's, it's different. It's changed in that sense. But now you got more people doing it. So it's a weird, you know, it's kind of like a weird, weird place. It's funny you say that, that means- because when I started doing stand-up, I just, I just started, I remember going to vistaprint.com and getting those That's business cards <laughs> that said Gary Cannon, comedian, and I'm like, I'm official now. Like, this is, yeah, right. I can pass these out, and I can get booked, and <laughs> it's it had, official it had now. me, me like, you know, the, the mic stand, <laughs> like the little caricature yep, mic stand. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how I was getting work. But, I mean, do you remember getting, like, videotapes of, of comedians oh, that you'd yeah. have to watch, and now you could just get a link? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to get huge press kits sent to us. You know, we used to send that out to, you know, all the newspapers, you know, to try to, like, spread the word about the comics coming to town. We'd put together stuff. But, yeah, we had so many VHS tapes and you know, then even DVDs, but nobody sends that anymore. Like, why would you, like, if you send me a DVD, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> you know, you're like, what? Just send a link. Like, Right. And, yeah. you know, I, being a comic, you you have, you know, you fly in Wednesday, you, you do the Thursday press, the Friday press. Mm-hmm. Even press, how has the dynamic of press changed for the club in the last, I'd say, maybe 15, 10 years? How has press changed in terms of managing a club? So it's 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 definitely different. You know, a lot of uh, the D.C. market, you know, there's syndicated shows that were carried here, so that kind of takes away from the local feel. Um, people just have the ability now to really listen to what they want they're listening to, the Gentleman's Dojo podcast. You know, they're not listening to Frankie and whoever in the morning. Right. They're kind of, you could do what you want when you want. Uh, you, The necessity for 
morning radio and morning TV, I feel like, is not what it used to be. You know, years ago, before we had Internet sales, you know, I, I would go and take someone to radio, and we would literally all day long just answer phone calls from people who heard the interview and wanted to buy tickets, and then we would handwrite every reservation. Oh, my and gosh. And then put it into a computer. I mean, it was all we did, like Fridays, especially with all the press, like, it was eight hours of answering phone calls and selling tickets all day long. That's all you did. Um, so now it's it's a little different because you have internet sales and you sort of don't see that kind of immediate. The phones aren't ringing off the off the hook. You can kind of see it in the internet sales right. lower. But I just don't. I think terrestrial radio has you know has some challenges and you know it's still fun to do and it's still important to do and you know there's still a local fan base, but it's not as to me it's not as powerful as it. It was before, you know, you could sell out four or five shows just on two interviews on, on terrestrial radio 10 years ago. Uh, you know, I don't see that anymore. Those days are gone, right? Well, for now, you know, um, probably forever, but I'll just say for now. <laughs> uh, with the whole sky, I have a lot of friends who work in, the, in that industry, and I hope that doesn't, that doesn't happen. But, right. yeah, it's just different, you know. It's sort of, it's just different. Like, I was talking to someone, you know, with the passing of Gary Shandling where, they didn't even know who he was, and they were in their 20s. And you're like, okay, this is just different. Like, I, yeah. you know, and it's hard, I think, when you've been in the industry and when you've seen so many talented people to realize, like, okay, the next wave, these people, how are they going to get exposed to the legend, legendary comics out there? Yeah. You know, they're not going to know about it. So it's sort of, uh, I don't know. Is it is it also hard to Allison for because I started doing stand up in San Francisco and you know that was such a great scene there were so many great places to work and I know DC very similar because there's a lot of places that comics can drive to outside the city similar with mm -hmm. New York is, is it hard now or harder now for local guys that really want to break in really want to get those hosting and feature weekends with the big names is it hard for oh, those guys so hard for them because so many guys I would assume. You know, bring their own people. So, I mean, I would think that the spots for local guys are just few and far between now, right? It's so hard for them. I feel bad for them, honestly, because, you know, this time I, I feel like road work is it's almost non-existent for people. Like, to be, be a road feature where it used to be, you know, 10 years ago, you could really make a living just traveling the road, featuring at clubs across the country, getting paid, getting, you know, your hotel taken care of. But you could make a living doing that. I don't think that exists anymore. I mean, for me, uh, specifically with the DC Improv, you know, if I can, on average, and sometimes I can't even do that, book one feature week at the club, that's like a victory to me. Um, and there's hundreds and hundreds of people all wanting work. And I feel bad for them because it doesn't exist. But it's like, you know, it's sort of been the trend over the last few years is, well, you don't need road work. You don't need people to travel and comics have been burned by clubs that don't think and steve know you know steve and i we know each other at least you've been coming to dc for what at least 10 years mm -hmm. yeah and so you know that like if i'm going to book a show i'm going to think about you as a headliner and compliment you with the openers versus i think some other places comics were being put with inappropriate comics in front of them that just didn't work <laughs> and so yeah. other comics were like well, and I'm going out on the road. I want to bring someone with me because I don't trust that person's going to open for me is going to be right. So I get, you know, it's like I could see both sides. Um, I totally get it, but it is, it, it's harder for a newer comic to kind of get that. 
but they build their own stuff and they get exposure different ways. And, you know, you try to, at least for the improv here, we try to do different kinds of local showcases and offer work when we can because it is, it is limited. Yeah. You know, I, cause like listening to you speak, I feel like there's almost like a, I feel guilty now as a headliner bringing out, you know, some guys with me on the road, but when you travel so much, it's nice to have that person you can call and say, Hey, do you want to get lunch instead of, being by yourself the whole time, but also right, you want to right. make it affordable for that feature act. So, so you know, to people listening, you go to a comedy club, you see an MC, a feature, and a headliner. But sometimes I, I think contractually what you can do as a headliner is you bring out the feature and say, you know what, the feature is going to do the time for the MC and the feature, so they'll do 35, 40 minutes, and pay them for both, pay them the MC and the feature pay, all in together because then at least they can you know pay for their flight or you know because half the time you know a hotel isn't provided for the feature act it just it becomes a, a pain in the butt but you know as a headliner it's like you you want to give those local guys the time but also it, it, selfishly yeah. i guess you're just like well i've done this so long right i don't want to tell somebody how i got started how you know yeah, where right, i've right. where i'm from can i hook you up with an agent it you know right becomes right. a right. but because you're a manager and you run the club and you own it, obviously, what are the three things you just get so sick and tired of hearing from new comics? <laughs> and limited to three. <laughs> I, I, yeah, right. Wait, you guys have 45 minutes. Wait, is this where I get to, I get to finally unleash the uh, 18 years of... No, would, would one so of them funny. be Allison? Because I remember this as a, as a new comic, like somebody just started and they, uh -huh. they probably have three minutes and they tell you that they can feature. Like, is that is that one of the... Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's always the case. That's so funny. Uh, you know, I think people... They're so eager, and we live in kind of a society where everything is, is immediate. You know, with the right. Internet, it's like everything is right now, and I need validation. I need everything right this second. So when people aren't patient, that's a very uh, stressful situation. When they we get, get very sort of like, well, why aren't you doing this right this second? They don't realize, like, oh, wait, I'm calling a plumber. I'm dealing with stuff that's going on. <laughs> I'm not just waiting to sit there and answer sure. your email, you know, right. or your call or whatever. Um, so I think that's a, that's, a, that's a big one. And just, you know, they don't realize how many people are trying to do the same exact thing um, and that they're just so, so you're just sort of like, uh, I get it on their perspective, but I'm also being hit by 200 people and I right. only have one, you know, and this is like a small part of what my job is as far as maintaining an actual business. So I think that's, that's probably one of them. You know, most people, they're, when they're aggressive, that's a, that's a huge turnoff. Or when they, I've been doing it for three months, I'm ready. It's like, you're not, <laughs> yeah. and I don't have time to explain to you why you're not. Right. Is it, you know, you're like, is it my job to explain to you why I'm not? Because then it's just going to open that door of you wanting me to tell you what, it's like, I, you know, it's so, it's sort of that. But I think, you know, people just see this overnight success and they expect it for themselves. So they kind of don't have that ability to sort of take a take a breath. And, you know, like you guys have been working on your craft, right? You're still working on your craft. You're always working on your craft. That's sort of what makes a great performer is someone who cares about what they do and they want to put the best show on that they possibly can. So Allison's talking it. to me, Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, right. <laughs> but people don't get that you have to put that work in. Right. You need to put that work in. You need to experience performing for a 
a venue that's not in the city that you're in. Like, you need to travel and, and grow as a performer, and people don't want to do that. But at the same time, they don't have that much opportunity because that road work doesn't exist. So it's this weird, you know, it's this weird cycle that they're in. Right, right. Because I also I'm not really think counting how up, am I up to three yet? <laughs> well, but I also think too, Allison, and, and this is what I tell people here in LA, just like new comics. It's just like you, you, you don't have to look at getting into the improv or the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store. I mean, there's so many other venues that are either outside of LA or in Arizona or Northern California that you can go in, break in, get better, and then hopefully meet somebody right that you're working with and maybe that you get thrown onto a show with that might be able to help you and bring you into a bigger club or a better venue and then that management sees you and says oh wow you would be a good fit for us maybe on a Wednesday night or you know maybe right. we could do a split week with you I mean you, you don't have to I just remember when I started comedy in San Francisco there were two main clubs there the Punchline and Cobbs and most people were in at one or the other N nobody was really in at both and I just remember there was all this just infighting with comics who were just jealous of one another and it's like I remember there was a comic who said to everybody as a group like guys there's a whole world out there it's like don't get caught up in two clubs because it's such a small world. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, if you move to L.A. or New York, nobody's going to care or give two shits that you were featuring at the Punchline in San Francisco. I mean, it's right, not right. – you're not going to come down to the Hollywood Improv and be like, hey, guys, I just got done featuring at the Punchline. Like, yeah. nobody cares. I mean, it's like, right. wh what can you do for us now? That's all – and, you know, with, with so many people, would you encourage comics too, Allison, like younger comics? Because I know that, you know, in San Francisco – we hung out all the time, like hung out at the clubs, saw comics, saw headliners. Do, do you guys encourage that? Like come kind of hang out, have this kind of sense of family. Do you guys like, is that a good thing for you or it just becomes somewhat of a nuisance? Well, it's, you know, a fine line because we have to maintain the operational aspect, which people don't quite get. Like when you're moving a crowd of just 300 people, you know, just under 300 people, like we can't have an extra 20 people just standing around right. wanting to chit chat. Um, so, you know, I encourage everybody to see as much comedy as possible because I think you can learn from all kinds of performers. You know, if you're just into alty types of comedy and that's all you watch, you know, you're 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 not going to grow. You're only going to grow one way. But if you see, you know, someone else's style and someone who performs kind of different, like the more you see, the more you can figure out what your voice is and who you want to be and how to kind of relate to an audience. Mm -hmm. You know, in in the end, and I, and I say like my job is watching the audience and watching the audience have a good time. And that's always, always fueled me, you know, to see people come in from their work week and they're stressed out and, you know, it's Friday and they walk into the improv and you can see it on their face and then you can watch this physical release from them where they're just like having the best time and they leave and they're smiling and it's like this just amazing energy shift for them. You know, watching that, watching a crowd, watching a comic, seeing how, how different people can perform I mean, you're going to just grow so much more and experiencing and experimenting with it. But see, the improv isn't the place to do that because we're kind of at the top tier. Right. So, you know, people want to rush their opportunity at the improv but because, you know, it's so limited. It's like if you do it too early, I mean, that's that's it, you know, for quite a long time. Why would we look at you again, you know, if you, if, if you just kind of rushed it? So I try to tell people to slow down and enjoy the process, even though the process could be grueling and you're performing in places that are not glamorous. But in the end, I think you become a better performer and a better comedian. 
And it is. It is true because you guys have such a compact, smaller club that, you know, it is hard to have people just hanging out there and, you know, just sucking up the, the seats. So I, mean, yeah. I guess I would just, you know, being remembering that and being a new comic, I would just say if you want to hang out and go see shows and have available free space, just any Steve shows, there's always going to be seats. <laughs> In the okay. back, there's always available seats. Jesus Christ! Um, so well, yeah, th- those those weeks, you know, those are the best weeks for comics to come see no- what right, not to right, do. Yeah, right, okay, right. Gary. Shows we get it. Yeah. So as we near the finish line, Allison, <laughs> I got uh, three questions for you. This is what I call percentages. I'll ask uh-huh. you three questions. You just give me the percentage. Uh, how many? What would you say the percentages of stand-up comedians that come to your club that are high maintenance? Oh, low. I would say max 20%. Oh, wow. Yeah, really. I mean, most people, I I think if you treat them right, they don't need, you know, they don't really, they're guard, you know, they're like relaxed more. So I think that's a big thing. That's a little lower than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be a little bit more, but. I mean, max 25%. One out of four. Okay. So you so 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 over the course of a month, you got one week where you're like, all right, we gotta we gotta step it up here. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Like I'm trying to think. Like not even. So then I'm not a math person. So I would even say, yeah, not even. Like one out of four is probably too many. Oh, okay. One every few months. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. This percentage, I, I'm. I'm wondering if this is going to be high. How many, what is the percentage of comedians that are late for press? Also very low. Are you serious? I would think yeah. that would, wow, okay. Yeah. What also do you think? Also very low. It's, you know, it's, uh, well, it could be I strategize the press schedule accordingly to, like, kind of leave a little bit of a window, but right. very low. Wow, very, very I'm low. shocked by that because sometimes I show up. At, you know, you go downstairs, you meet the person for press. They're like, "Oh, you're here on time," or "You're right. here early." And it just—I hear it so many times. So I thought, okay, uh, yeah, okay, no, this question well. is going to put you on the hot seat, maybe just a bit. But okay. hold on, I, I hope it's a question you're going to ask that I was going to ask. What, Gary? Oh, can I can I ask it? What? Okay, and then you you jump in. So anybody who has been a comic who's been to the DC Improv knows that the uh, the area leading from the green room to the stage is a very tight, narrow hallway mm-hmm. to get from the green room to the stage. What is the percentage of comics that have to turn sideways to get to that <laughs> to get to that so stage? That's so funny because also probably zero at this point. Zero? Oh, come on, Allison. Yeah, I know some comics so who play that club. That's why you're sorry to disappoint. I know this is like now going to be the most disappointing podcast we've recorded. But we we used to not have that wall that you're talking about. You know that kind of gets you to the stage. Yes. And, well, we didn't have that wall. That was a very high percentage. Majority of people had to turn sideways. Even if you're like me, who's like a hundred pounds, you still yeah. had to go sideways to get to get through. But yeah, I would say maybe one or two a year tops. One or two a year. There you go. Yeah. We know who they are. Uh, now this is my last question. Yeah, right, right. This is my last question. Now I, I assume after 18 years involved in stand-up, you've seen everybody. You've watched everybody, and I assume that over that course of time, your palate becomes a little more refined. So it takes maybe just a bit more to make you laugh. Uh, you appreciate a good joke. What is the percentage of comedians that make you laugh? Oh, 
So, <laughs> uh, my friends don't like going to comedy shows with me anymore because I basically sit there with no physical reaction. I'm right. having a great time, but my body is acting like I'm not. Um, <laughs> I, I've really just become very numb to the act of laughing, which is funny, but, you know, like, between running a comedy school through the club for 13 years and then running a college amateur competition for 10 years, I've just seen so much comedy that I just have, I've, I've really become very numb. I tend to laugh at stuff that, like, other people aren't laughing at uh, because it's caught me off guard or, you know, I, so, yeah, so I'm I'm not the best patron. Like, if you, you don't want me in the front row because you'd be like, what's wrong with her? But I'm having a great time and I'm enjoying it. I'm just not physically moved to laugh. She should work for anymore. Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah, there's that there's that great that great TV I look like show. I'm bored. Is that with, wrong? There's that great there's that great TV show with Matt LeBlanc called Episodes. Yeah, and he's yeah. introduced to you. You see it, Allison. He's introduced to the yeah, president. Yeah, uh, the girl with the yeah. face. She's got, face. She, who she's like, yeah. They're, they're like, this is Linda. She's the the head of comedy here. And she's yeah. like, hi. Like, it's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, Allison, I'm having a great time, but if you looked at me, you would be like, is she having a good time? <laughs> so who is who, who is somebody, going off of that, Just this, this will be the last question, who is somebody you genuinely love watching after 18 years, even after all this time, after seeing all these great comics, who is somebody you will go in and even just watch a few minutes of because you, you appreciate them? I mean, I watch everybody every week. You know, that's so important. Right. I, I really... I, that's probably I don't know if that separates the DC club from other other places. Yes, it does. <laughs> like yes. every week, I want to see the show. I want to watch it, and I want to see what's happening. I I I still love it. You know, um, I'm trying to think of like who just brings me. You know, it's fun when you when you have someone you've never seen before that mm-hmm. that comes in because it's different, and you're like, oh, I've never seen this person live before. Right. But I'm kind of. I wish I had a stock answer for you as far as like. Someone that uh, I just I go every week, you know, specifically. It's all a blur. It's like because so really many times is. I go into the club, I'm like, oh, he was here last week, and yeah. nine oh, times yeah, out of I, ten they don't know. Right? They're like right. I completely right. forgot. It's like it was literally three days ago. Right. But yeah. I, I understand it just becomes a blur. Well, we cannot thank you enough, Allison, for taking time to spend with us. I know you have a hard out. You have something coming up, but uh, honestly. Continued success to you. We both love the club, and we're speaking yes. on behalf of like literally ninety nine point nine percent of every comedian that's working in, last in this time, country. Last time we were there, we had so much fun, and I walked backstage after my set, and Dave Chappelle is just sitting back there. I'm like, "Are oh, you right. serious? Yeah, yeah, right, right." right. <laughs> and he came right. to just visit, but he was like, "We went out the, to dinner." Yeah, he's yeah, like, right. "I love this club," and, uh, and uh, just kind of like uh, went out on the town, had some late breakfast or something. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it, great it, experience. Truly amazing. But honestly, love the club. Love you. Thanks, thank you so much. Thank and keep so killing much. it. We're so happy for you, Allison. I, I really appreciate it. I, and thanks for thinking of me for this. And, and um, best of luck with your future endeavors. <laughs> All right. <laughs> By the way, I'm not. We're, formal, we're, we're not going to lie. Awkward, uh, way to end a podcast with that. <laughs> we were trying to get the manager from the Dayton Funny Bone, but he canceled. So we thought of you second. <laughs> Shut up. Hey, you know that. what? <laughs> second is better than not at all, right? <laughs> there that's, you go. That's Gary. That's thank Allison. Allison. Thank you so much, Allison. Allison Jaffe, everybody. Yeah. A big round of applause. So much fun. Awesome. That's where you clap with me. Oh, sorry. You sorry. Oh, you're sorry. the worst. I, I'm um, surprised you didn't ask her for a booking. Would you shut the fuck? I have agents that do tri- that. You do? Yeah, I don't go to gig masters. Well, I, I got to tell you, your agents need to work harder at May because there's no nothing booked in May. I saw your... I'm serious. I. <laughs> you know that that's true. 
I can get you, you an no idea what I have. You have I no idea what I have. I can get you an flappers in Claremont. In Claremont, please. <laughs> uh, here we are. Yeah. We're at the end of the episode. And we got to thank Allison for calling in. Don't forget, we're going to be uh, doing a, a live show very, very soon. So Two be weeks. Fun. We'll yep. be doing the live show. So we look forward to your guys' calling in. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, Canon Comedy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not following you. Um, guys, all things comedy. Yeah. Skype handle, ATC Studio Hollywood. Uh, what, do, what, is it, what is it? All things comedy at Insta? Yeah. I don't know. There Type in just, I hate when people do this. It. Just go to the search. Go to the magnifying it glass. All pops up. Type in all things comedy because everybody's right got up. a hyphen. Everybody's got a different thing. All things comedy. Follow them. Uh, Canon Comedy? Yep. You haven't changed it yet. I haven't. No, no, no. Do you still have those business cards? From Vistaprint? Canon Co- <laughs> Gary Cannon. I comedian? felt like I felt like I was Did in anybody business. ever call you for a booking based off of the business card? <laughs> no. No. Still waiting on bookings. Yeah. And where can they find you headlining next? I don't know, I gotta check with flappers. So you went fifty miles outside the city limits yeah. to Claremont. So after that one on a Saturday night you pulled in thirty people? So you'll be, you'll be in, at this rate, you'll be at Barstow probably in three weeks. If we keep moving at this direction, sure. Yeah. Don't be jealous of my career, Steve. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I will be, where, uh, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Cleveland Improv, Nobody knows. I think is the next one yeah. that I'll be at. Nobody so uh, you, you won't be with me. Maybe, I don't know. Oh, no, what, not uh, Cleveland Improv, Cleveland Hilarities at Oh, Pickwick. Hilarities, yeah, yeah, Hilarities. Yeah. That Pickwick. is a great club, too. It's a gorgeous club. That literally is one of my new favorite clubs in the country because I yeah, just yeah, started yeah. working it. But Pickwick, yeah. the Frolic, the Hilarities there. Oh, my God. The food there is unbelievable. You said uh, top three. Maybe maybe I, I would assume Nick is the other guy that you know falls into the top three. He's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough. Another episode. Dojo. <laughs>